And welcome into In Focus on News Radio KMAN. It is a Wednesday morning, and uh, today we'll be talking about a bunch of different things. We'll start with education here, USD 383 Manhattan Ogden Schools. And a little later on, we'll hear from the Manhattan Fire Department and Downtown Manhattan Incorporated as well. We start with our guest from Manhattan Ogden Schools, Superintendent Dr. Marvin Wade. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Brandon. And Board President Kurt Herman's also with us. Good morning. Morning, Brandon. How's it going? Yeah, I'm, it's going good. Uh, thank you. you. Go to best. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna struggle here today with uh, the Star Wars puns for May the Fourth Day. So, <laughs> good deal. Uh, it's it's good to talk to both of you here this morning. Uh, this morning, we got a school board meeting tonight, and uh, we are getting towards the end of the school year already. Uh, has this year flown by in your eyes, Doctor Wade? Oh gosh, it's kind of both extremes at the same time. I know that doesn't really make sense. I mean, in some ways it's really been a long year. A lot of, a lot of things have occurred. Uh, at the same time, you know, like you say, every, every time we get toward uh, beginning of May, it's like, wow, uh, can't believe we're this close to the end. But it, yeah, so whatever that's worth, it's just been a, a heck of a year. A lot of, you know, a, a lot of challenges for us, but there's been an awful lot of you know, really good things occurring. The, the success of our students, our staff, uh, moving forward with construction projects, uh, moving through, you know, the different different aspects of COVID, you know, continuing to do business as a, as a school district, you know, focus on our students and our community and our families. So uh, I think there's a lot of people that are tired, uh, that a lot of people have worked hard to make this a successful year. And in my eyes, it has been a successful year. But, but it, yeah, it has been long, to answer your question. Yeah, and it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, it's been, yeah, we, yeah, like Stocker Wade said, it's been a, it's been a kind of a long year. But, you know, there's been a lot of, cha- you know, major changes, you know. We, like, say we, <clears throat> excuse me, we made it through through COVID and, and uh, finally removed the masking Um but since we've had almost since day one uh, of COVID and, uh, you know, we have, we've had an election, we have two new board members who've done a great job so far and, and uh, yeah, lots of changes and, and uh, yeah, but it's, I might, I might just want to start off too with, you know, it is uh, national teacher appreciation week. Um, yesterday was uh, teacher appreciation day, but it's, but see, we like to celebrate the entire week and, you know, not, I say it a lot, you know, it's, it's, it's the school board doesn't make it successful or great. It's our teachers and our staff. And so I always uh, like to appreciate our teachers. Absolutely. Yeah. And such a good recognition there. And I know, Kurt, you were out there at Oliver Brown. Dr. Wade, I think you were too. I wasn't out there, but uh, you got a nice uh, little recognition for one of their teachers last week. And I got a $25,000 uh, grant or something like that. Uh, can you, uh, the Milken Award, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it. Yeah, it's the Milken Award. They're out of uh, based out of Los Angeles, and they select a a teacher of the year at each in each state. and And they came out, and actually, the teacher that uh, got it this year was uh, uh, Megan Martin, or is it uh, Morgan? Uh, Megan Morgan. Mm-hmm. Megan Morgan. Sorry, yes, and uh, um, she's a, a library and media clerk, and uh, not clerk, library and media specialist. Sorry, specialist. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, but she gets actually it's a twenty five thousand dollar cash award that she gets to do whatever she wants with it. So it's not it's a personal award also as well as a recognition. She also gets 
an all expense paid trip to Los Angeles uh, to attend the national convention with the Milken. So she gets gets to get together with all the other uh, teachers that are recognized nationally. So it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. That was a wonderful thing. I, I remember getting, uh, I think it was a weekend before last, the, the, I got a little notification about there was going to be a big announcement made. And, you know, trying to keep that a secret is, is hard to do, but uh, it sounds like they, that was uh, done pretty well. And congratulations to her. And what a, what a neat. Yeah, yeah it, really, it really was uh, kept, you know, close to the vest. But they, they, they weren't telling us much of anything other than <laughs> just to be there for a, for a big event and, you know, and then it, it, it was great to hear, you know, that so many of our staff do so many wonderful things. And, you know, just with Megan being recognized for what she does that, you know, she did. She she brought in millions of dollars in grant funding for the school. She's uh, that that were used to buy, you know, thousands of books in the district. Uh, she's she's helped with social emotional learning. Uh, she's done a program to connect students with military parents connecting them while they're deployed, you know, connecting them by via Skype, but just a lot of different things that she's done. And she's so enthusiastic about what she does. And uh, just great, great to see her get this, this big recognition. Absolutely. Well, and I know we've got a lot of announcements here. I want to make sure we uh, do that plenty of justice here. So I want to start with the, the Jones list here, Kurt, do you want to read that? Yeah, I'll, I'll read off the, the Jones list says, uh, well, there's two weeks from today, Wednesday, May 18th, is the final day of school, and it's a half a day, and students will be released before lunch. Um, Manhattan High School graduation is Sunday, May 15th at 2 p.m., and that will be at Bramlage this year. Last year, remember, it was uh, on uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium on the field, and we had a rolling in thunderstorm, and we kind of rushed through it, but we got them got done, and um, Looking for a, a summer program for your students. Um, we have lots of summer opportunities. Um, check out the summer learning page on our website for more information. Um, open registration will be, um, online registration will be open on July 18th. Um, central registration at Manhattan High School West Campus will be um, July 28th from 3 to 7 p.m. and July 29th from 7 a.m. to noon. Uh, they're breaking it in two days this year, so it'll be a little easier on our staff. Um, and kids, I'm sure kids are anxious to hear this. First day of school is uh, August 17th. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool that you get a you get a full three months off, basically there with uh, the end of being May 18th and starting August 17th. And um, yeah. what we're, I know there's still construction going on in the district. The schedules, Dr. Wade, that's still kind of affected. Uh, by construction, uh, at least for another year, is that right? Oh, yeah, yes, definitely. So that there's a still a lot of construction going on. So that, and as you were talking about the, the students having three months off, but in reality, there's a lot of things that will still be going on in the in the schools during the summer for them to be able to attend. And that's that's a little bit of our challenge. The last couple of years has been where to locate those activities uh, so that it minimizes the the disruption with the construction schedule and vice versa. You know, we're continuing to have that, but we will have uh, summer programming again this summer. And uh, sites sometimes, as I said, sites sometimes change because of construction. And we're continuing to just go, you know, full bore through the summer, uh, getting ready for next school year. All right. And of course. Another important thing, I think it's, we have to keep, people should keep an eye on our, uh, 
the food service because you know we do have feeding sites in the summer and that's a lot of families uh, rely on those for meals for their kids they're all summer and we'll do our best here on Cayman to communicate that to the public here when when those are going on here because those are so important uh, the summer meals and the summer programming you know, a lot of folks uh are busy throughout the the year and uh, the summertime is a great opportunity just because school's out doesn't mean there's not things going on so well and something related to that too brandon that on our website we do have a a construction link where there's the updates on our our projects there's also i I saw that there is a updated project timeline uh, for for our projects i think it was it was posted in April. I haven't had a chance to look closely at that, but it's another place people can go to uh, monitor the progress of what we're doing with the construction projects and other things. So always want to encourage people to go to our website. All right. And that's uh, usd383.org, right? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we're going to step aside, take a time out, but we'll come back and get into the agenda here a little bit more in depth here in just a moment. You're listening to In Focus on News Radio KMAN. All right, we're back here on In Focus on News Radio KMAN, talking with Dr. Wade, Superintendent of Manhattan Ogden Schools, and Kurt Herman, Board President here this year. Uh, school Board meets tonight, six thirty p.m. at the Robinson Education Center, and you can always catch those. Also, if you can't be there in person, uh, they usually stream those on their YouTube channel. So be sure to check that out. Uh, donations and grants tonight. I, I haven't taken a look at that yet, but uh, Kurt, what do we got this uh, this evening? Yeah, we have a uh, 1,750 cash donation from Manhattan High School Performing Arts Support Group to Manhattan High School for Future Play and Production Materials, an $1,800 cash donation from First Presbyterian Church to Manhattan High School for Boeing, oh, sorry, for buying produce for backpack snack programs. Um, that's a great program. You know, we send, if you're not aware, we send uh, backpacks home with kids on Friday nights for, uh, so they have some uh, something to eat on over the weekends. Um, we also have a $500 cash donation from Pepsi Cola of Manhattan to Manhattan High School for annual scholarship for a total of $4,050. All right, yeah, I'm familiar with that program. My preschooler brings home some milks and cheese and other things, yogurt, uh, so from time to time on Fridays from College Hill. So appreciate that. That's always a, a good deal. She loves it. Yeah, it's good to hear. It. Yeah. Well, we got a, a lot of things going on here on the meeting tonight. Maybe not a huge agenda, but there are some some uh, interesting things tonight. And uh, one of those on the reports end will be uh, an update on the 901 points feasibility study update. I did talk to Dr. Schaefer a little bit about this last week here on K-Man, but uh, this is kind of for the board really to kind of see uh, what the results, I guess, were of those community conversations held in January and February. Is that right, Dr. Wade? That's right. Kind of backing up a little bit. We, there was a, uh, a grant that helped support this process. It was a Blue Cross Blue Shield grant uh, that was awarded to USD 3 and then with our partnership with Flint Hills Wellness Coalition. So that grant has helped fund having the uh, Institute for Civic Discourse and Democracy from K-State have these community conversations about what do we do with that 901 points campus? And they've been having the community conversations, getting input from people about, you know, what what kind of recommendations, what kind of report to give to the board. So 
Ultimately, it is the board's decision about what to do with it, but this is important input that we're going to hear tonight uh, from the people that did those community conversations. And I'm looking forward to it because I know there's been a lot of different input uh, from different groups, different uh, possible uses, uh, the budget for you know, the sustainability of the, the site is always part of the conversation. So this is just one of the pieces of the puzzle, putting it together about what do we do with that uh, campus after the students move out of it for the start of the 23-24 school year. All right. So that right. so that'll be a big, you know, like you said, that's one of the, to me, one of the big items tonight would be just hearing that, that report and the conversation that follows it. Yeah, I just, if I may piggyback on that a little bit, you know, I mean, one of, one of those common things we heard even for years before we even uh, had started this conversation is, you know, we have the, the cafeteria there and and uh, having a community, uh, I guess, community cover, if that's the right term, or a community table, because um, that's hosted by several churches and locations around Manhattan, and they kind of rotate through, so that would be a, a way to centralize that location. Um, and I'm, have you ever seen the uh, the performing arts uh, theater there, Brandon? I don't know. It's but it's it, in our last bond issue, we completely refurbished it, and it's it's a beautiful location. And I think, uh, in fact, I saw in the the survey that the arts is really uh, interested in. So I think that we got to keep that keep that that place alive and keep using that. So um, we also and, talked and about it. Yeah, but oh, we also sorry. talked about. Yeah, we also talked about like moving part of the Ed Center um, down there also um, and trying, you know, because a lot of our, a lot of our, we have such a big administrative staff that they, they're too, it's too, the, the Ed Center is too small and they can't house. So all of our staff are actually not located in one central location. So that would be another, another option that we're, we're hit seriously considering. Dr. Wade, did you have something else you wanted to add oh, to that? No, I, it, that? I was going to mention that, you know, continued use from by uh, USD 383 and then uh, some of the big themes, as Kurt said, uh, food, social services, arts, creativity, those were all themes that just consistently came up in those community conversations. So it's how to, how to package all of this to, to meet as many needs as we can and still uh, be fiscally responsible, you know, as a, as a school district. Yeah, it, it challenge, part of the challenge, you know, because one thing I've always, we've always been thriving, kind of working towards is having a CTE or career technical ed center. Um, but that building is just, it's so difficult to even just for for connectivity and like all the walls are like a foot thick, you know, so it's almost impossible to run wiring anywhere you need to or even like for wireless hotspots, you pretty much have to have one in every single room. Um, so it's, yeah, so, um, that's a big challenge. So may not really be a good fit for a CTE center, but. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, uh, certainly going to be interesting. And I imagine the board will, uh, this will come back to the board at some point here for an, uh, for a vote, uh, probably in the next month or so. Oh, it probably would be closer to a year, I would say. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't, we're not even, I don't think we're even that close to. To, to make any type of final decision yet on it. Okay, fair enough. And, and I like that, again, going back and piggybacking here, uh, the, the CTE conversation, you know, that continues to occur as far as, you know, what what pathways do we have? What career clusters do we offer? How do we support 
you know, our, our, our students to get the, the high paying jobs down the road, having different options. And we continue to work with our partners, you know, including business, uh, the chamber, uh, Manhattan Area Technical College, having more conversation with Kansas State about, you know, what are what are the programs we're offering? Where do we locate those programs at? How do we use this expanded space that we're going to have available at the West Campus now that we're expanding that campus? So, you know, we continue to look at that CTE piece, but as, as Mr. Herman was saying, uh, 901 points is not looking like a viable option for us to turn that into any kind of a uh, career center or anything like that. So that that's that's one that we've pretty much removed from the table at this point in time. Hmm. All right. Well, that's uh, one item here, and then if we uh, there's some other items on new business, but particularly uh, focusing on the 2022-23 budget needs assessment review. Lou Faust, uh, director of Finance, I think, is his title. I don't know if I got that right, but he's going to present tonight uh, kind of the first look at that. I can I can start on that one. That yeah, we we're in a right now with the legislature pretty much wrapping up. They've done work on the uh, school finance bill, and uh, we're in the process of looking at insurance rates, negotiations, building our budget for next year. We also have that ESSER three money that, that is out there that has to be used for specific purposes. Just having that big picture of, of our finance and our financial status, but then we have the building needs assessment where, and this is a big part of the report would be, you know, what are our site councils? What are our buildings saying that they need in our different departments saying their needs are for us to accomplish our goals as a district? So what are those needs? What is the money that's available? How do we best match those up? So this is the beginning of that, or, or continuation really of that process is Lou speaking tonight about the input he's received about needs and where we are at this point with, with our budget planning. So I, this is another one of those reports I'm really looking forward to hearing. Uh, there's a lot of detail to it that way. All right. Well, yeah. This... And then that'll probably be followed up in uh, probably early probably the first meeting in June where we'll, we'll start getting into numbers and looking at options for the mill levy and, and stuff like that. But I think like Dr. Wade said, it's kind of a unique year for us because we've got these ESSER funds that, that, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Cause we, you know, we've got, it's a blessing because we've got, you know, over a million dollars that we can spend over, you know, over the next two, two or three years. I think the total, it did around $3 million, Dr. Wade. Yeah, it's even more than that, yes. Right. Well, but so we, you know, we kind of have to spin it or lose it. And, but the thing is, you know, it, it has to be, um, it, you know, it, education related. And, you know, because, I mean, you obviously don't, you never want to go out and, you know, hire staff or give raises based off of that money because it can't be sustainable. So, uh, but it has to be directly like, like curriculum type type items and stuff like that. So, um, like I say, it's 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 a little difficult to come up with that. But I think our we got a great staff that has been uh, um, working together, and they got a committee that's uh, kind of coming up with uh, ways to spend that that money. And we just keep going over this this same message uh, over and over again about you know it, there are lots of things we want need. Uh, if, if we can't afford all of them, so you know which things 
say which things go. And if you add something that we don't have in our budget, what is going to be given up in order to accomplish that or what's going to be reduced in order to accomplish that. So I'm kind of standing here. I've got Blue Faust on one side, on, on one shoulder, Eric Reed on the other shoulder saying, remind them, you know, the budget has to balance. So that's that's a big part of the conversation is always, it's not just the wants and needs, it's what's not going to be done that, that really gets where it's difficult. Yeah. Well, lots going on here. School board meets tonight at 6.30 p.m. at the Robinson Education Center. And uh, we appreciate getting these updates here each month. From uh, Dr. Wade and uh, school board member Eric Reed, of course, joins us also in the middle of the month. So appreciate uh, both of you being on this morning and uh, hope you have a good evening this evening. All right. Have a good one. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Kurt. Appreciate right. it. See you guys. Stay tuned. More In Focus continues in a moment here on News Radio KMAN. We're back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN. I'm Brandon Peoples, Stephen Schaefer producing things on the other side. And we have. Uh, an update from Manhattan Fire Department, as we do once a month here. Darren Emery joins us, building official with the fire department. Good morning. Good morning, Brandon. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Fantastic. Doing great. Well, we're learning a lot of uh, awareness months uh, this month. We have mental health awareness. Uh, it's National Teacher Appreciation Week, uh, National Travel and Tourism Week. Lots going on in the month of May. But it's also Building Safety Month here in the month of May. That's right. I didn't realize that May was such a popular month, but uh, yes, every year for, I think, a decade or more now, the International Code Council has sponsored Building Safety Month, and the ICC, the International Code Council, is the organization that writes almost all of the code books that we adopt here locally and, and really internationally, um, and so they sponsor Building Safety Month and for May, and it's just a, an opportunity for us to talk a little bit more about building codes and and why codes exist and, and the benefit of, of adopting codes in your jurisdiction. Yeah, I, and I'm, I, I'm learning a little bit about it here. I'm going through the home buying process right now. I, I realize sometimes that uh, I'm, I didn't know things are built for a certain reason or, or there's structural uh, rules why certain things are the way they are. You know, like you got to have this X amount of feet from the road or whatever. Uh, yeah. But that is uh, – that is something that does exist. It exists. And, you know, I, I understand when some people kind of ask, well, why all of the regulation? But uh, there are really very significant reasons behind our codes. And really, the focus more than anything else is life safety. The, the codes, whether we're talking about the residential code, the fire code, the property maintenance code, it's, it's about property values, but it's also maintaining property values. But more importantly, it's about maintaining life. It's about protecting the occupants of the homes, the offices, the buildings, the places we live, work, and play. And uh, yeah, there's basically a code that helps you figure out how to build a house. There's another one for if you're going to build a high-rise, different book. It's called the International Building Code. And then we have also adopted here locally the Property Maintenance Code, which applies to all the older homes. And it's a much, it's a much less detailed code, but it does apply to a house that might be a couple hundred years old. It's a basic, let's keep this house safe and make sure the people in it are safe as well. All right. Well, let's talk about the focus for uh, Building Safety Month. It looks like they have four key areas this month. You bet. We break it up into basically four weeks. And this, this year, week number one is all about energy and innovation. Week two is building safety careers. That's a new one. Uh, I haven't seen us really focus on building safety careers. And with so many 
different industries in the United States. A lot of people are aging out of the industry and we do need people of younger age coming into our industry. I could talk about that issue all day long if you'd like. Uh, week number three is disaster preparedness. Uh, perfect timing given that it's spring and we have been looking at some severe weather of late. And uh, week four is water safety. How, how do we get safe water? How do we keep the water safe when it's in the delivery systems to our homes? And then what can we do to keep the water safe once it's at our house? And to go to that point, does that also include, you know, flood, flood mitigation? Well, absolutely. That's a part of it, because if you have flood levels or floodwaters in your jurisdiction that interfere with the, the sewer system working properly, you never know where that effluent from the sewer system might end up close to either wells like we have in the city of Manhattan or a water supply that's a municipal water supply. So, yes, floodwaters certainly can impact water safety. All right. Well, yeah, and with uh, the building safety careers, uh, yeah, if you want to talk a little more about that, I'll certainly entertain that. Well, absolutely. So, you know, there are many different ways to get into a career in building safety. I happen to take the route of being in construction before I came to the industry. But there's now you can get trained on building inspections, building safety, fire inspections. Uh, There are so many different ways into the career. But really, we're we find that the, the people that have worked in the industry, perhaps they were building homes or they were doing finished work for homes or they were maintaining an apartment complex or they were just helping develop a neighborhood. Those backgrounds really lend themselves well to this industry because it's one thing to learn the book knowledge. Uh, it, it, you can study a code book and learn it all day long, but until you've been in the industry and you know what real life day to day is like out in that industry, it's hard to regulate it. Uh, effectively, fairly, and efficiently. Uh, I know we have some training opportunities here in town, both through USD 383 and the Manhattan Area Technical College. We have we often communicate with them and actually do a, an occasional class in their offices to kind of encourage people to consider not only going into construction, but perhaps construction regulation, construction inspections. Uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, you had a home inspector looking at the house that you were considering buying. There's just so many avenues to consider as it relates to building safety. We have a uh, caller on the line. One of our uh, regular guests, uh, Robert, uh, has a comment on uh, the importance of codes. Go ahead, Robert. What a wonderful what a wonderful presentation on the requirements for the code inspection. You know, looking at the tornado damage down there uh, east of Wichita, you could see that there was a lack of a lot of things. The lack of $200 worth of, con- of uh, carpenter's strap to tie down mm-hmm. the plywoods of the roof or to tie down the trusses to the walls. Uh, I don't know if you could see the lack of anchors bolting down the sill plate um, on the walls. Uh, on the YMCA building, the YWCA building, you can see in the concrete blocks the lack of number nine, uh, they call it uh, ladder, in between mm-hmm. the blocks to hold them together. Uh, there was no columns board for $8 worth of rebar each side of the door or in the corners. They're just, it's amazing the things that you see in the construction industry that needed to be done that were missing there. And I hope that we have those kinds of things being done here. For instance, when we had our tornado here, we were all coughed for a month after that with the microscopic uh, fiberglass. The fiberglass was all up in the trees and everything it was blown all over town. Right. Even if you didn't get any damage, you still had the fiberglass in the trees and you were breathing it. Thank you so much for your consideration. 
thank you for those comments. I appreciate that. Um, as we uh, look ahead here, um, as far as the code adoption process, Darren, tell us a little bit about uh, how often the city updates those. Certainly. The, the International Code Council publishes new code books every three years. And for decades now, our jurisdiction has adopted new codes every three years. Um, there's many reasons for that. One of the most significant is technologies regarding construction change. And if we don't adopt new codes, all of these new products from open web trusses to truss roof systems to new types of fire protection systems, if they're not in the code language, we have a, a much more difficult time just accepting them and using them in our jurisdiction. So that's one of the main reasons. And, and development techniques, construction techniques change dramatically. So every three years, we go through the process of reviewing the new codes, we spend a lot of staff time looking at the codes with an eye towards what's what are going to be the significant changes, what are really going to impact our office, but also those in the industry that are charged with building. What what are they going to be impacted by? We get uh, get our hand, our minds wrapped around all of those changes, and then we start meeting with the stakeholders, uh, the Manhattan Area Builders Association and landlords of Manhattan, and the people that are really involved with designing and owning buildings. We try to seek their input. And then roughly in June of, of each cycle, we take this to the city commission. We, we tell them what we're looking at, what the significant changes are gonna be. And if they endorse the adoption of the codes with quite a few amendments, we amend the code locally so it really fits our jurisdiction. Then the codes would actually go into effect not until January 1 of the following year. That gives the, the local builders some time to get used to what the new code says, what what's on the radar, what's gonna be different. Rather than just as of one day, Old code, next day new code. We give them about a six month run up to those new codes. All right. Wow. Well, that is a very involved process. And so, uh, as I see it here, we're kind of um, in the 2018 cycle right now, but getting ready to go to the 21 cycle. Exactly. We have adopted locally the 2018 International Code Cycle. There's, there's about nine books that regulate construction. And then the 2021 codes have been out for a while now. We've had our chance to review them and look at them. We will adopt those codes. And if all goes as planned, January 1 of 2023, that 21 code cycle will be in effect. Okay, very good. Uh, does, does a lot change from from uh, year to year on these things? Do you see a lot of differences? That's a great question. And two things really drive the changes, new, new products, new technologies, but also, unfortunately, uh, catastrophic events in the world will, will cause the Code Council to take a look at what might have prevented that. Uh, I know after, unfortunately, after 9-11, there were some dramatic changes in fire protection for larger buildings. Uh, when we have collapses or just significant fires, uh, the Rhode Island nightclub fire really impacted the fire code quite a bit. You know, you, how many people can be in a space, what can be on the wall and what's going to burn, what's not. This year is not a dramatic code cycle change. There's a, quite a few what we like to call maintenance items, just cleaning up some code language, making it easier to understand. Um, some years they're dramatic changes. This is not a dramatic code cycle change, but they're, when you're looking at thousands of pages of, uh, of code, just for example, the International Residential Code, which is all about one and two family homes, is about 800 pages long. So you might imagine there are a lot of changes, but this time through, not nothing that we're finding that's just dramatically going to impact the process. Okay. Well, again, May's Building Safety Month, and I'm sure the fire department will be uh, putting out a lot more information here uh, this month uh, through their social media and other channels. So, uh, Darren, we appreciate these updates. Thank you very much, Brandon. It's always great to, to visit with you. Absolutely. Look, looking forward to uh, talking to you again next month. And uh, 
We'll get an update from downtown Manhattan coming up next here on News Radio KMAN. We are back on In Focus News Radio KMAN. And uh, segment number four of our show features events going on in downtown Manhattan. We've got uh, the executive director of Downtown Manhattan Incorporated, Gina Snyder, joining us here this morning. Good morning, Gina. Good morning, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Yep. Good to talk to you again. Gina's brought us a special guest with her here from Insight MHK, uh, volunteer Jeff Sackrider. Good morning. Morning, Brandon. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Glad to have you both on the program here today. We're going to be talking about a, uh, some events coming up and uh, some events that have happened. I, where do you want to start, Gina? Because there's a lot of activity in downtown. There's so much. I'm so I'm so excited that there's so much going on. We had a, this last past Saturday... We had a brand new event, uh, the Kansas Science Fest, took to the streets of downtown Manhattan on Points Avenue, and it was just turned out, despite the weather, despite the wind, it turned out to be um, really much more successful than anybody could have anticipated, and uh, just so many families came out for it. It was scientists on the sidewalk with cool um, microscopes and geology and um, dirt and amphibians and all kinds of really cool things for for adults and kids. It was really exciting. So next year we're going to turn this into um, a really fun, huge street festival with many more vendors and just a great day to celebrate science. All right, very cool. Yeah, and uh, and that was uh, through a collaboration with uh, some different partners, right? I think Sunset Zoo was involved and others. Yep, Sunset Zoo, uh, NBAF, uh, professional science professionals from K State. It was really there were over eighty presenters involved. Um, so just a, we have such a wealth of of brains, brain power in this community, and they all came together in such a beautiful, organized way, and just put on a really fabulous event for the community. All right. Well, that's uh, that's exciting, and, and the, it just continues into this weekend. You've got an, another big event happening uh, this Friday at uh, the Wareham. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Jeff speak to this since this is his baby. I don't know how this became my baby, but I guess I guess <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. So uh, as I hope most of your listeners know, last September we had our Manhattan's first air guitar event. Um, Coinciding with Third Thursday, um, we had a world champion air guitarist uh, come teach the community how to play air guitar, and we had a, a competition to crown our first champion. Um, that event went really well, and there is actually a U.S. Air Guitar Association. Uh, this is a, a formal, organized um, entity uh, they heard about our event, heard how well it went, and they asked if we would host a regional qualifying event this season. So uh, this Friday at 7.30 at the Wareham, we are going to have a air guitar competition. We're going to bring Nordic Thunder back to Manhattan. He's going to lead the event, and we will we'll have people sign up to compete, and whoever wins our uh, show our competition will go on to compete for the national championships later this summer um, which will be aired on ESPN again so this is uh, ESPN thinks this is a big deal and a real <laughs> sport if you will um, our winner will have expenses paid to get to the national championships they will receive a trophy and um, we've got a uh, 
a $250 gift card that syndicate tattoo donated to the winner. Um, I'm going to try to encourage whoever gets that to maybe get like a Nordic thunder themed tattoo on themselves so they can remember this forever. But um, we've had tremendous financial support from the community. So we're able to do this for free. So you don't need tickets. Just show up at the Wareham at 730 Friday. Um, it's family friendly. It's all ages. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So we hope the whole community will come out for this. It's a very novelty uh, event here. And it, at times it's a little silly, but, uh, you know, it's it's obviously been uh, embraced here by the, the downtown businesses. Otherwise, you guys wouldn't have brought this back. So what what's uh, the, the appeal to them, uh, would you say? I think it's it's just mostly you know downtown is a neighborhood that's that's a part of a the larger manhattan community and i think that this community has long been looking for um arts and entertainment and and fun things to do and now that we are providing that it's just fully embraced by not only the businesses but the community of manhattan so we're thrilled with this we're thrilled that we have partners like insight mhk that work to continually make downtown um, a fun place to be. And we also appreciate that this is something for everyone. We're, we, we always want to have um, the majority of our of the things that we do be, be for all people of all ages and, and all abilities. And um, this is just one of those really cool things. And as silly as it is, it's, it's just so much fun. It's just, it's just good fun. So um, we're happy to be a sponsor, and like I said, so happy to be that that Jeff really fosters a lot of um, goodwill and and art and entertainment in our district. So we're super happy with that. Yeah, it's very entertaining. I, I was at, down there last fall when this took place, and and Jeff, your your organization there inside MHA, they do so much here for downtown, including you're involved with the murals, right? Yeah, so that's kind of where our group started was with commissioning murals. Um, the most recent mural that we did was just finished a couple of weeks ago um, by Louis Kopp, was the primary artist. And then he had um, a duo called, called ITRA Icons out of Kansas City that assisted him, um, Isaac and Rico. Um, it's just a half a block north uh, from Points Avenue on... Um, fourth street on the north side of the charleston wilson building and it's a mural depicting a, a prairie burn that is just really captivating um you can't help but if you're traveling down fourth street it really stands out and draws you in but yeah kind of what gina mentioned you know inside mhk we're a group of volunteers we don't have any dedicated funding source so it's all just going out and getting um finding donors that are excited about making Manhattan better. And it's really important to me if Inside MHK is going to do a public art event, if it's a mural, if it's an air guitar event, whatever, it needs to be accessible, you know, to everybody. And that's financially accessible. That's all ages. Like Gina mentioned, I want anybody to be able to come enjoy the things that we do and not have barriers or have as few barriers as possible. Um, but the murals, you know, that's just a small part in this transformation that's happened in downtown Manhattan over the last few years that has really just helped 
continue make that district a dynamic, just really fun, exciting place to be. And I think things like the air guitar event is just, you know, I hope that everybody goes down and finds their favorite restaurant and, and has food before the show. I know there's a band playing across the street after the show. Um, Manhattan Brewing Company is going to be open late to, to serve anybody that wants to go enjoy drinks there. I mean, it's just one part of getting people to go downtown and stay downtown and enjoy everything that Manhattan has to offer. So I'm I'm proud and excited to be a little part of a bigger thing that Gina's really fostered um, that we're seeing downtown right now. You're going to make me cry, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) And there's so many other things coming up here. And I know we have a short amount of time here, so I'll try to squeeze in as much as we can, Gina. But you got Third Thursdays coming back here in a couple weeks. And then a little, little later on, Juneteenth Art Walk is coming back. Yes. Well, actually, this will be the first uh, Juneteenth Art Walk in downtown. Uh-huh. We're super excited to be a part of that. Um, we The uh, Juneteenth Committee is coordinating all of the artists and, and getting all of that ready to go and the artwork ready to go. And we are um, hosting businesses in their windows and in their lobby areas are hosting one or more pieces of those art. There, I, it's my understanding that there is a lot of art to be seen. And uh, that will be on display from June 3rd to June 15th in downtown businesses. We'll have a QR code up and we'll have information on the website. We'll, we'll put it out there and just kind of um, for the general public to be able to be aware, uh, check downtownmhk.com, uh, also our social media sites. So we'll, we'll keep everybody abreast that way. Okay, that that's going to be really exciting, and and this town's really embraced Juneteenth, and it's neat to see that every uh, every year. We uh, the third Thursday that the first one's on the May nineteenth. Yeah, really excited. Still um, looking for artists. What we're specifically looking for, um, we would like to have a multicultural uh, aspect to this. We do have some groups that are fairly regular. Um, that represent other cultures and other countries, but we we really would like to have a much larger presence of uh, cultural aspect to Third Thursday. I'd like to see some traditional dress and and maybe traditional food and music. Um, really want to invite those cultural groups to come out and and show us from you know from where they're from and introduce us to their culture and and anything that really makes them stand out. So that's what is going to be hopefully different about third Thursday this year is that we have just more of that cultural piece. Uh, but we're, we're still doing artist call all through third Thursday. If you're an art artist or an entertain entertainer or performer, we'd love to have you downtownmhk.com go and fill out the interest form. But yes, third Thursday um, is back again. This month runs through September and AJ's Pizzeria is again our sponsor for this event. We're, we're really thankful for the, the businesses that just get on board and, and just embrace these events. We, we could not do these things without our partners. That is an absolute fact. Yep, and there's so many great businesses downtown and yep. we encourage you to go check them out as, as much as you can. Um, Friday is a good night to do that. So be sure to go check out the U.S. Air Guitar Regional Championships at the Wareham. 7.30 p.m., that is a free event that you can check out and then spend some time downtown. Gina, Jeff, it was great talking to you here this morning. 
Thank you so much, Brandon, as always. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. That's going to wrap up our program here for this morning. Thanks to our guests from USD 33 and Manhattan Fire Department coming up tomorrow. NBAF and an update from uh, General Perry Wiggins as well. That's all coming up tomorrow.